Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Park Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah. We are here today doing a March mailbag. Abdullah, are you looking forward to this juicy selection of questions we've got in front of us? I actually am. Just like you guys sent in a lot of questions. I, I was not expecting it, but we I think like, we get questions, but we got a lot of questions. The people are curious this month. People are super curious. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to answer a few of them. There's a there's there's a couple especially that I'm like, all right, let's see, let's let's see how we answer Ready this. Ready to get, get your teeth into. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. So thanks for sending your questions in, everyone. We we've had loads. There are a couple I haven't included because I think we've kind of covered them before. So if we miss your question, maybe go back to the the February mailbag. Anything Penila and Magda related? Oh my god, I cannot talk about that situation anymore. So sorry, you can listen to past Jesse talk about it if you want. Um, but we also got lots of interesting new things that we're really excited to talk about. Um, I've kind of split them up gone for a general section, a transfer section, and then a future section. Um, and I think some stuff might overlap a bit, but we will just run with it and, and try and get through as many of these as possible. So no point beating around the bush. Let's get into it. Um, Abdullah, I'll, I'll come to you on the first one. Um, what did Chelsea need to do to get past Leon in the Champions League? Uh let's let's think about this. I think they need to be they need a bit of luck. Again, you need luck in any knockout stage tie, so I'm not even joking. So I think they need a bit of luck. I think they need to be disciplined in every facet of their of of their game. And I just think they need to just keep their heads composure. I think I think composure I think it's a I think for Chelsea it comes down to being a mental game. They've been here before, obviously, and they've gotten through, they got to the final, but the last time they played a European champion, you know, champion in terms of, you know, quality to win it, they lost to Barcelona 4-0, right? We've seen them lose to Juve, we've seen them draw, lose to Wolfsburg, draw to those teams. So we've seen it happen. And I think when it comes down to it, you just need to keep their heads, get a little bit of luck going their way and and just kind of go from there. Because, I mean, I think, I think Leon, um, they've just obviously just, Breaking news about like twenty minutes ago, Sonia Bompasser has just resigned. You know, she signed an extension as, as 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 head coach. So she said, "I ain't managing the French national team this summer." <laughs> exactly. So I'm I'm a continuing on. So she's she's there. Daniel van der Donks resigned. So they're they're an extension season. So I think there's a bit of good news coming out of there. Good feel good feels coming through. So um, I think they'll be revitalized and um, they're they're getting into a, into a good form. So I think yeah, Chelsea just need to be on their toes and, and mentally just ready uh, for that. Yeah, it's an interesting point actually. Um, uh, I feel like it's been a while, really, hasn't it, since since Chelsea played a game of this level because obviously we weren't in the Champions League knockout stages last year, and it will be interesting to see how much that impacts players because obviously a lot of this squad played in the run before, you know, like I guess LJ is the only real like standout player who you'd be like is a nailed on first team, first teamer who wasn't really part of that original run. But um, it has been a year and like lots of things have changed and, and players like Harder and Kirby who were really integral to that team, like probably won't play in these games. So, you know, there will be a tactical plan, but it might be something, you know, for the team to adjust to. And it'll be interesting to see how much pressure they feel. I do think that playing Leon takes the pressure off in some ways because I just don't think there's that same level of expectation as if you were maybe playing a Roma or something like that. Um, but yeah, definitely that that mental element will be will be really massive. Um, we have a question by Frank Kirby Daly, um, at Frank Kirby Daly. Uh, Jesse, what do you think would make this season a successful one for Chelsea? Oh, this is tough because Chelsea win a lot of things, obviously. We know that. And it can be hard, I think, to figure out what the balance is between maybe sacrificing some of those things for other things. Um, Like, for example, I'm like, if Chelsea go all in on Leon and as a result end up missing out against City and the league kind of falls away from them, but they reach the semi-finals of the Champions League as a result. Is that a successful season? I don't know. I think I think from this position to to 
to not win the WSL would be a failure from here because of how other teams are fucked up. Um, like, I think Chelsea have been fine to good. Um, like, obviously, we've only lost to Liverpool. Like, you can't really sniff at that when we played four games against the top four. But equally, other teams have kind of, I think, you know, you look at the way Arsenal drop points to, to West Ham and things like that. They've kind of opened up, uh, Man City dropping points to Villa. They've opened up the league for us. So I do think that would kind of be a failure, even though that's not necessarily Chelsea's fault that they're in this position. Um, I think winning the FA Cup would be nice, but if it doesn't happen, I'm like, okay, we always win the FA Cup. I do think if we fail to beat Leon, the season will kind of also be unsuccessful. And that feels like harsh, and I don't know what you think, Abdullah, but I just feel like Leon are a tough challenge, but reaching Champions League semi-finals has to be a minimum, and we know that Leon are a good team. We know that they can play at a level that's not always expected at them. We saw that in the Champions League final last year, but if Chelsea want to be the best in Europe, they should be able to beat this level of Leon team, I think, or any kind of team in, in a Champions League quarterfinal. Um, just because there's a reason we're playing Leon, and that's because they came second in their group, right? Yeah. In a group that contained Arsenal. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I think, I think, I think there's two things. I think, regardless of what level of the champion level of the champions you're playing, quarter, semi, or final, you've got to beat two of the best teams out of the three knockout ties. If you're going to go all the way to the final and win it, you need to beat two of the best teams in, in the competition. I think that's yeah, guaranteed. And you know whether. You know, Chelsea would have played any, say, say Bayern Munich or whoever would they would play them now. They still have to go and beat these sort of teams. And yes, Leon aren't as strong as they were last season, but it's still a huge test. Leon are one of those teams that can just kind of come at you and come out of nowhere. And for Chelsea to go and beat a team like this, fine, you can put the caveat of this is where they're at right now because of current form and everything. You go and beat Leon. That's a statement going into the semifinal against, you know, uh, going into the semifinal. We are like, okay, if they face most likely Barcelona, then they have the confidence to say, all right, we've beaten the team that beat Barcelona last year. Yes, they're not exactly the same, but that mentality of, okay, we've beaten the team that's beaten this team that we're playing. And obviously we have the revenge thing to go up and 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 beat, beat Barcelona in, in a semifinal. And I think if you want to be the best in Europe, you've got to, you've got to beat the best in Europe. And I think Leon and Barcelona are two of the best teams. And if you want to win it, you're going to have to go and beat two of the last two champions to go and do it. And I think, like you said, they, I think, actually, you said semi-final for it to be a success. I think, yeah, I think I think minimum semi-final, but in, in, a, in some weird way, I'm like, maybe they, they need to reach another final, right? Maybe a semi-final. Yes, I know it's Barcelona, and I know that that's, that's going to be super tough. But I almost think like, Getting to the final plus winning the WSL and, and and say let's say the FA Cup, that would be like okay, you've at least reached your second final. You got there. Whether you win or lose is a different story. You know whoever they end up facing. But yeah, I, I would I would I would think minimum semi final. But I think ideally a final would be would be the one to go to. Wow, he's a tough <laughs> taskmaster, is Abdullah. Get past Barcelona or bust. Uh, yeah, I mean. I think I think you're right in that if it was any team other than Barcelona, I'd probably also say final. But Barcelona are Barcelona, so that kind of feels unfair of me to say. All right, uh, let's move on to the next question here from Claudia Bocci at Claudia Bocci. Do you think it was poor squad planning from Chelsea not to bring in reinforcements in January, seeing how razor thin the squad is now due to piling injuries? It's such a tough question to answer because hindsight's a, a, a wonderful thing yes we knew Penila was the one who was the long-term absentee and she was the one who'd be the one that was going to be out but Svitkova being out she was supposed to be this this fringe player that was supposed to be a rotation option um obviously Frank Kirby was kind of in and out of the team but she was in more than she was out of the team like she'd play two three games sit out for one one and a half games and then come back but now, obviously, the injury is there, and, and she's been out for way more than than she has. And obviously, we've seen injuries to Aaron Cuthbert and Gura Wrighton, and 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 while they've been ever present most of the season, I I I think it just comes down to who's available. Like how many class players 
could they have gotten and picked up in January that would have been available for what Chelsea would have looked at as a long-term signing? Because I don't, I think I would rather stick with the squad that we have than go and buy someone in a panic and, and they don't actually fit long-term and they kind of just disrupt the whole ecosystem of the, of the thing and it just don't fit. And then, you know, then they have to adapt and then it kind of then almost screws over your plans for the summer, right? Because if you buy, let's say, let's say they just bought a random winger right or a random number 10 that maybe decent signing obviously it still have to be good decent signing but you know when you're going into summer let's say someone really good comes up and you're like well can we really go and get them because we just bought this player in january right and 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 then that maybe ruins your plans there so i can see the reasoning now but hindsight's a beautiful thing that we have all these injuries but look i think guru's coming back aaron should be back soon enough and I think once we start seeing those two, you're looking at possibly just the three, right? In, in Penila Harder, Frank Kirby, and, and Svikova. So three injuries, albeit two of them are, are like two of your best players. Yes, it's bad, but I think I think Chelsea should be okay. I think if it doesn't get addressed in the summer, it's a different story altogether. I think it needs to be addressed in the summer. But I just think January is just a tough time to do anything. Like, okay, 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 okay. let's just say they went for Alessia Russo and they got accepted. Fine. That was an opportunity. You took it. You got it. Fantastic. Amazing. But other than a level of signing like that, I don't see really see where you'd go. I don't know what you think. No, I, I actually agree with literally everything you've said there. Um, for me, the areas where we've predominantly had long-term injuries is ironically the area of the pitch where we have the most players. So obviously it's frustrating not to have Harder or Kirby because how good they are. But we actually have Chankovic and Fleming to play there. You're not going to bring in another 10 with that selection of players around. The area I think we could have strengthened, obviously, ideally, is is at striker. But touch wood, Sam Kerr seems to be fit still. Um, So that's not currently an injury problem. I think we would be fucked if something went wrong there. The Erin and Guru injuries, I feel like... Well, Guru's obviously just an illness. That can just happen. It's a short-term thing. Erin, hopefully, that's also not a long-term thing. And I kind of feel like Melanie Leupold's coming back from the birth of her kid. That kind of just happened at the perfect time to, to sort of cover from that. Equally, again, Fleming and Trankovic can both play as an eight. We've seen Perisic play as a six. There are The squad, I think, is big enough to have options. I feel like there's always going to be a reality with the size of the squad you can have and and how, you know, things go across the season. And that's always going to be tough. But, like, also the club will make decisions. Like, if we'd had more defensive injuries, for example, I doubt we'd have seen Anik go on loan. But fortunately, we've been quite lucky, I think, with defensive injuries and everyone's pretty much fit. So that's why the club are, like, happy to let her go for, for that time. Um, yeah, obviously the England one, the England decision is a big decision, but I think you're also, you're just totally right in terms of like, you want the club to have a plan and you want them to go for the players that they want long-term, not based on who's available. We've seen how hard Arsenal found it in the January market. And I also don't think it like screams professionalism if you're chasing these targets none of whom necessarily actually fit your style of play and then consequently you don't get any of them and then everyone knows like no one wants to sign for you like that I just don't think that's kind of the situation you want um so I think it's frustrating and like injuries are just a risk and it's always part of football right um but I think really the squad's quite a good size yeah um I don't know, we've got a tactical question here from from Neon, which I think is kind of interesting. Feels like Chelsea press teams a lot less this season. Do you think that is on purpose? And what would be the benefit of that? Oh, God, okay. Uh, feels like Chelsea press teams. Yeah, you know, um, I, think, I think part of it is, in a weird way, I think part of it is because Lauren James is in the team. It's 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 a it's a wild take I know and it's probably something I thought of maybe like two minutes ago, but I actually think that because Lauren James is in the team and I I think she's good off the ball don't get me wrong but I don't think she's the best off the ball I think she she can press but we've seen how 
mazy she is in terms of when she's on the ball, she's really slow and then she likes to accelerate and go. And I think off the ball, she works hard, but probably maybe not as hard as a Sam Kerr or maybe a girl on the left-hand side. And I think when you're looking at it that way, you probably want all three of your front players to be able to press rather than just have two. And when, when Chelsea went with a system that has three up front, you know, two wide players and, and a striker, you kind of need them to kind of go in, in sync and, and, and kind of together. And I think part of the problem might be the fact that they they don't they know that if they press up too high and they leave space in behind, especially with the double pivot, that um th- there is then there is just this issue of like, okay, then we'll maybe leaving too much space in on one side and teams can then maybe catch us on, on, on the right hand side and kind of go from there. And I think what Chelsea are probably doing more, more this season is they kind of want the ball to come into midfield and then suffocate and congest everybody because then you've got Aaron, Sophie, and whoever's playing at 10, whether it's Jesse Fleming or Kankovic or whoever, to kind of then congest the space, force them through the middle and kind of go from there. Because I think Chelsea, what they want to do is they don't want it to go, they don't want them to go out the wide areas. They want them to come to the middle. So, right, let them play through the middle. Don't press them as much. Give them the freedom to go there. Let's get our three you know, better ball winners who are all in the middle. Let's converge everybody over there and start winning the ball back. And um, so I think I think to an extent, I think it is deliberate. And I think the benefit of that is like, yes, you win the ball back in the middle, you get your number 10, whether it's Kankovic, Carter, Ka- uh, sorry, Kirby or, or, or Fleming, and then let them create from there and you give it out wide. And then you let your Lauren James, who likes to come inside as well, play in the area. So suddenly you don't have two, three players, you have three, four players kind of congesting into the middle, win the ball back, and then you have space in behind it to kind of go and go and attack. Yeah, I feel like it is definitely something that's that's kind of been decided. I, yeah, I, I, I think the logic makes sense, like kind of how, how you've described it there. And I also think maybe there's, you know, an interesting thought around injuries and squad management um, in terms of maybe not, also putting the level of pressure on players to have to go and and play like that all the time. Like I would be intrigued to see whether we maybe adopt a higher pressing approach against like Leon, Um, because it's something that we've obviously seen the team do very, very well. I feel like Hayes is, is obviously just quite agnostic around she's not a manager who's married to one style right we see that the way she changes formations and, and I think we can see that in the way that that maybe she's changed like pressing patterns and things like that and, and we know that's something that that she cares about a lot there's obviously the famous video on put together of her um kind of directing everyone in that Wolfsburg game uh so you know I think we've seen against like PSG that that, that they pressed a lot more um but it will be interesting to see whether we, yeah, whether against higher level opposition, but it, it will see more of it. But it is something that's like surprised me, you know, particularly against Arsenal, who I think are a team where in the past we've obviously got so much joy out of pressing them. Um, and there's clearly been a decision to, to sit off on that. All right, we are going to take a quick ad break here. When we come back, we'll talk some transfer gossip thoughts, wants, wishes. Right. So. First question from Mulad Dagizo at at M Gizo. Anyway, I might have butchered that, but anyway, what do you guys think about the Ashley Lawrence rumor? Uh, what do you think she could bring to the team? Interesting. You're well, your favorite player, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is this is a very interesting one. So, for anyone who who missed this, um, I think it was Le Parisien were reporting yesterday that Ashley Lawrence will leave Paris Saint Germain at the end of her contract, which is the summer. Um, obviously Lawrence has been at the club for a really, really long period of time. Um, and uh Le Parisien kind of suggested there were a couple of clubs that were keen on her. Uh Chelsea, Bayern, you know, all the classic names. Um there was an implication that Chelsea were kind of in pole position. Obviously, Lawrence has been for a while, I think, thought of, or at least was for a time, thought of as being one of the best fullbacks in the world, if not the best. I don't think she's thought of quite in that same way anymore. And it would be interesting to see what it looked like Chelsea. Obviously, it would reunite her with Canadian teammates, or teammates, but specifically Khadija Buchanan, who obviously she plays next to. Um, 
She is not young. I think she's 27, 28. She's 29, I think. 29? Yeah, I think she's 29. No, she's 27. She's 27. She's 27? She turns 28 this season. Right, okay. Um, And so I think, you know, that's something to bear in mind. Obviously, we did sign Eve Perisset, who can play left back, but we've been predominantly using a right back. I am pro it is generally where I stand. I think she's a very accomplished fullback. I feel like her decline in the eyes of world football is probably a result of Paris Saint-Germain and Canada, I think, both stagnating. But she's clearly a player who can play at the very highest level in high-pressure games and play well. Um, what what do you make of the links, Abdullah? Would you take Ashley Lawrence in the Chelsea squad next season? Yeah, honestly, on a free from, from PSG of, of her quality, I think so. I think we've been... We've been Screaming for fullbacks for so long. And if we were to get Eve Perisay and Ashley Lawrence in back-to-back summers, I mean, that would be really good. And I think, like you said, I think we can play Eve Perisay at left-back. So if, if, if again, I'm repeating this again, if Magda does leave, right, there is going to be need to be a defender coming in, whether it's a left-back or a centre-back or whatever it is. If you can get someone of the quality of Ashley Lawrence and say, look, look, you come in, and the, and the good thing is both Lawrence and Perisay can play both sides. They're inter in a weird way. They're interchangeable. They can both play left back and right back. So you could even play you play Eve Perisay left back. You play Ashley Lawrence right back, and then you still have um, Neve Charles, Jess Carter, and all these other players. Like I would be more comfortable having these two natural fullbacks, regardless of whether they're both right footed or not, playing at left back and right back, and having Guro. Charles and Carter as the backups to those two because of the way we play. Because then at least when you're playing Yves Perisay at left back, let's say, for example, you still have a natural fullback going in there. And, and the nature of the way that Yves Perisay plays, I think it suits the way we've been playing at left back for the last two, three seasons. It's always been Magda or someone a bit more... Um, like, I know that last time we played... A guru at left wing back and the three at the back, but we did the same thing on the right side with the right side was a little bit more conservative when Aaron was playing there and whatever. So I always find that Chelsea like to play one conservative left back and one, sorry, conservative fullback and one more attacking fullback. So in this case, you can do the same thing. You can either make Harry say the conservative one and Ashley Lawrence to push forward or vice versa. And then you can always have that switch. So yes, it's not, a, it's not an exact perfect fit, but you tell me how many more fullbacks are out there. I mean, it's like Sakina Kachau is the only one I can think of. We've already been linked with her once, and that didn't really work out. Um, I Salma Bash is not leaving. Pearl Maroney might leave, might is out of a contract in the summer. That's another option if you want a natural left back. But I don't know if that that would happen. Would she want to move to England now? Um, that's another thing. So yeah, I think Ashley Lawrence, and, and and I think she, I mean she can speak English. Canadian teammate is there. Two Canadian teammates that obviously Kitty Buchanan and Jesse Fleming. So. It's not like she's gonna she's she's gonna it's gonna take time to, to bed in and yeah, I think quality fullbacks is what Chelsea's screaming for. So I would hundred percent take Ashley Lawrence at twenty seven, twenty-eight. Yeah, it would be interesting. I think if I had to choose between Ashley Lawrence and Katie McCabe, I would still probably go with Katie McCabe. Um yeah, but I can see that. why not get both, Todd? <laughs> why not get both? Um Stack I I love just, I just love the idea that we could go from being like not having a single fullback in the team. Uh, having to convert centre backs, wingers, whoever, to play the role to becoming fullbacks FC, you know that could be a, a new thing. Um, okay, let's go to the other end of the pitch now. Um, I'm going to clump two questions together that we got here. First one from Clayton at goalie fifty nine. Which forward should we sign in the summer? Very broad minded question. Amazing. Uh, and the other from Jack at Jack Benham thirteen. Do you think Micah Hamano is slash will be ready to be the backup striker next season or we should we be looking to buy one? Oh, um, I only say I only have that reaction because I'm like, there are so many strikers in the world. Who do I want? <laughs> <laughs> Who do I want? Um, no, I, th- I think I think we definitely should. I think to answer the first question, Clayton, I think we definitely need to sign a striker regardless of what it is, who it is. Someone needs to come in and, and play and compete with Sam Kerr because, like you said, Touchwood right now, Sam is 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 fine, but 
you know, it's 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 a, it's a tightrope that we're walking on, and there's no way Chelsea going to next summer competing on full four different competitions again. Going, yeah, we can we can live with just Sam Kerr for every single game for the entirety of next season as well. Like, yeah, we can do that. It's not happening. Um, who we should sign or which four we should sign? I'll come back to that in a second with a couple of maybe options. But to answer the second part, which is whether Mike Hama would be ready to play his backup, I don't think so. I think it'll be too early. She's doing well in Sweden. She's doing well at Hammerby. I, I know that. But I think she needs a maybe even a championship loan. I would even go throw into a championship loan and then do this do 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 the progression. She's young. She's like 18, 19 years old. There's time. You know, let's say Sam leaves in three, four years when she's in her early to mid thirties, you know, that's when you can get her ready to be at if you think she's that good, get her to be ready by by the next three, three and a half seasons, right? Where you've done the overseas loan, you do the championship loan. See how that goes, whether you need a second one, then you do WSL loan and you kind of go from there. Kind of like the way we've been doing it with Aggie Beaver Jones now, who's now sort of thriving at Everton and kind of doing really well and and, and sort of coming out in there. Right. So um, you know, I mean I mean you could even think about Aggie Beaver Jones coming back and being a, a backup player next season if you want, but you know, that's that's an option there as well. So if we're going to options, yeah, Aggie Beaver Jones could be one if you want an in-house option. She knows the WSL. Has scored a couple of goals, you know, and, and would, and I guess it wouldn't be entirely bad for her to be able to get some minutes behind Sam Kerr and 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 learn from her and 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 also having and we'll be able to play a few minutes here and there. On the other hand, do you then want to either the other option is do you want, then want to go and get someone who's maybe at the level of or maybe just in and around a Sam Kerr level, you know, someone like um I don't know who's available there. I mean just like I'm just gonna throw names out there. I don't I would I don't know if they're gonna be linked or they would ever move, but like maybe someone of like a uh Tabia Westmuth or a a Christian Press or someone of maybe that level where they're at that age they can compete with Sam Kerr and they can actually, you know, bring in quality when required because the amount of games are there because if Chelsea are going to stay in all four competitions I would genuinely think you want somebody who can be as good as Sam Kerr and like I think we talked about this before right the balance between you're going to come in and play but at the back of your mind you know that Sam Kerr is number one so are you ready to just really fight to the point where you have literally no choice but the coach to say Emma to say Sam I actually I have to drop you. This like this other player is just doing too good. Do you want to take that chance, or are you okay with playing? So it's it's that. Do you get someone in there, you know, like a thirty three year old, or do you go and get like a nineteen year old? But then how many of players in those two categories are as good as you want them to be? So it's a tough, 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 tough sell, right? So, um, so yeah, maybe at the end of the day, you just go and get Aggie Beaver Jones and be like, all right, cool, we'll figure this out for a season and we just go that way. I, I, I probably didn't answer the question, but yeah, just, what do you think? Yeah, I think on the Micah Hamano thing, I, I think leave her, let her do her thing. Like, you've got time. Like, there is no need to rush. As you said, like, she's smashing it in Sweden and that's great. Like, let her develop there. Um like, let her get as many minutes as she can, let her become a static striker if possible. Uh, Aggie Beaver Jones, I think, is, like, an interesting um, person to think about. We've got a question a bit later on about, kind of, lone players coming back, who would you want, etc. Yeah, I could see it. But, again, I'm, like, it's tempting to say, if you can, if she wants to stick around the club, which also she might not want to, um... I don't think she's there yet. Like, I think she's been great for Everton, and I think she's been better than we expected, but the end product is low. And I don't know if the the space and the time that she's been afforded as part of being in the Everton team, she would get in the Chelsea team. Like, I think you, you I think there is an extra level for her to go to, and I think if she wants to stick around at Chelsea, like another year on loan would be great for her. I've kind of now answered that question later, but whatever. Um, I think in terms of signing a forward, I, I do think um, we should. I think a player who could play as potentially a nine or a 10 would be a really good one to look at because let's assume that Harder does go. Fran is 
just like not a player you can rely on for minutes anymore. Like there are there is a vacancy to play ten minutes, I think. Um minutes at the ten, I should say, not just ten <laughs> minutes across the season. That would be a shit deal. Um so a player in the profile of, say, you know, even a Rousseau, because I think she can play as a 10. Uh, Kat Macario, I think, can play as a 9 or a 10. She's out of contract. Um, these are, I think, the kind of profiles who who are you, elite players who you could convince that you can give them minutes as the 10 and the 9. And, you know, as a result, um, they would get a lot of minutes as opposed to just sitting behind Sam because it's very clear that Sam's going to continue to be the first choice, hopefully for a very, very long time. Um, otherwise, I think maybe you do have to look at uh, Romy Leuchter potentially. But again, these are players who... And I think it's a conversation with Emma and Sam and the club. Like, how much do you want Sam to play? How much do you rely on Sam? Because we had a very, very good secondary striker in Beth England who I think the amount of game time she got was always played down because I, do, I don't think she got unreasonable minutes as a second striker, but it didn't really feel like she... And maybe this is just the kind of player Beth is. like It didn't really feel like she got the minutes she needed to play at the level she can play at. And I think we're, we're seeing that Spurs, like how much her confidence is is already up in like kind of the amazing goal she scored scored a great one last night scored a great one against united we weren't seeing her play like like that at chelsea is there a player out there maybe who is someone younger yeah like a like to, um who who doesn't need consecutive minutes to to reach a high level that's like something that i think would be would be interesting to see but yeah there are so many profiles out there um, and it is is a tough one. It's a tough one, but I I suspect the club will find someone. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So yeah, the last one for this section uh, from Chloe at CFCW. Chloe, ideal summer signing, uh, realistic and unrealistic. And what position do you think is the priority of rec- to recruit? I do think that second striker role is is high priority, albeit not particularly glamorous. Um, I I feel like though you can't just go into another season with only Sam Kerr. Like that's just you're asking for trouble. If we get to the end of the season without Sam getting injured, that's amazing already. But she is then going to go and play a significant chunk, if not all of the minutes Australia get at the World Cup, which could be a lot. Like I think they look good. I I feel like they could go far. And then she's going to come back and do it all again. You have to find a second striker. In terms of an ideal summer signing, realistic and unrealistic. Um, unrealistic, we've got to go with the Lon- London is Blue, Blue Royalty classic, obviously Lena Oberdorf. <laughs> but I do think that area of the pitch, it's, it's tricky because we have a lot of players there. Like We're not short on midfielders, but I still don't think it's quite right. So Oberdorf will be my unrealistic. I will say my realistic one is Katie McKay. Just because I think there's no smoke without fire and she was obviously keen on it. I feel like she wants our <laughs> Arsenal. I'm I'm putting it in the realistic category. Chelsea are obviously willing to spend money on her. We don't have any proper left backs, in my opinion. You know, when we're talking about Ashley Lawrence, you're talking about someone who predominantly wants to play right back. We've yeah. got a right back in Eperset or someone who wants to play there in Eperset. In terms of a left back, no one like I'm not counting New Charles, unfortunately. Like maybe she'll get there, but she's not there yet. So Katie McCabe, I'm going as my realistic ideal summer signing. What are you saying, Abdullah? Oh, interesting. Uh prize to recruit. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think striker, second striker, I think is uh is definitely I think for me up there alongside maybe a left back. Oh, okay. Unrealistic signing. Oh, you give me anybody in the world. Oh, man, this is such a tough one. I would not mind. Give me Dam- uh, Damaris Aguirola from Leon. Okay. Give me Damaris Aguirola. Interesting that we both went for, like, defensive Defensive midfielders. Yeah, I think so. Because I think, look, look, let's be real, right? Sophie Ingle signed for another year, but she's not going to be there forever. I think 
I think this season has been a surprise. I think that the level and form that Sophie Ingles has been playing at this season is a huge surprise. I don't think anybody expected her to be this good. I don't know how realistic it is to, 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 to think that she'd be able to produce this level of performance consistently next season, you know? So I think, you know, when you said we have a lot of midfielders, but the makeup isn't right. Yeah, because the... The, the the balance of profile isn't right. We've got way too many attack-minded box-to-box players, but we don't have enough defensive-minded players. So, like you said, you know, a bit of for you, for me, it's Damaris. Also, Damaris has played in England before. She played for Everton. She knows the place. She knows the area. Would be a great signing. So that's my unrealistic signing. My realistic signing would probably have to be... Oh, man... I think you gotta call Kat, just Cat Makara because she's available on a free. She hasn't resigned yet. I know I'm going double Leon and I'm going against. I shouldn't be saying this in some in some facade. No, but for, if I'm if I'm putting my Chelsea hat on, Cat Makara on a free as a second striker, getting the minutes at the ten. And again, if Harder leaves, you've got a blatant vacancy right there to tell Cat. Harder's gone. That's your place. You can play striker. You can play number ten. You'll get the minutes in either position. Sam's there. Hart is gone. Kirby's in and out of the team. You got Chankovic and Fleming as your main competition. Get at it. So, yeah, I think Zamaris and, and Macario are my two. I mean, yeah, I'd take Macario all day. Also, all I've got in my head as an image is uh, a set of kittens and Kat Macario's head and then Katie McCabe's head. Katie, as well, oh, my She's God. kind of like a cat. That's the summer transfer window we're manifesting. And if anyone wants to mock that up on Photoshop, like I'll get that as a t-shirt for the summer, I think. Yeah, Uh, Because that sounds perfect. Uh, Get it done, Todd. All right, let's take another break here. And when we come back, we will talk about the future. So next question from Krishna and Akona. I've put them together. We've kind of been talking about it, so it kind of leads on just a little bit from us po- both picking uh, midfielders as our unrealistic dream signings. Krishna asks, what does the future and current of the midfield look like? Are there players in the academy, on loan or on other teams that could increase the depth or take over as starters in those positions? Or are the players at the club more than enough? Similarly, Akona says, realistically, how long can we continue without a defensive midfielder? I think we limit Erin's overall impact by asking her to do the role. I see her more as a box-to-box midfielder, but we haven't seen that as much because she's cautious of leaving Sophie Ingle to defend too much space on her own. Both very interesting questions. I kind of want to address the second one first and then go to the first one because I think with Erin's overall impact, you know, but... Okay, I know I'm hard from back on to this, but I actually think Erin in the current position and role that she's... I think is is fine. I can see what you're saying. I can see where Connor's saying that She's a box-to-box midfielder. She's got all this energy to go forward and do all that. And there are times where she has gone forward. But I really feel like when we already have four attack-minded players in a 4-2-3-1 system, when you've got a number 10, a right winger in Lauren James, a number 10 in whoever's playing there, a girl right in and a Sam Kerr, you it depends on the team. Because now if you're playing, let's say, a Brighton, a Leicester, or whoever, someone lower down the table... Yes, you can you can you can afford to let an Aaron Cuthbert from a from a sixth position drive forward and join at the edge of the box and join the attack because more than likely you're going to be able to recover back and, and have majority of the possession. But what about the games when you're playing against your 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 Arsenal's, your Cities, your Uniteds, and then your Leons and Barcelona's and Bayern Munich's and whatever? If you then have a have Aaron playing further forward, you know. I still I still believe that you would want Fleming, Kirby, whoever playing as 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 as, as a bit further forward, right? I, I think Aaron's oh Aaron's tactical evolution as this as this patrolling number six next to Sophie Ingle and protecting her, I think is 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 has been great. And I think it, it adds the balance of the team. And I think that is the most important thing. We keep talking about balance. I think you have to you have to think about balance. And it, it looks she's thriving in that role. Let's not let's not let's make it wrong here. She's thriving in this role and it looks like she's she's learned it. And yes, we know she's a versatile player. She does it. But there are games where she's gonna be able to go up. It's not like she's not going to be able to, but I think because whether, regardless of whether you get Lino or maybe not Lino Obidov, but if you get like a Damaris or, or whoever are playing at number six, 
you're still going to need her to sit back and protect her defensive midfield partner. You can't just leave your six, whether it's Oberdorf or Tamaris, alone. They're going to get overrun. Someone's going to get overrun eventually. So I think that for me, that's, that's I think, Aaron as a DM, I think is really good. Depth, to go back to the first question now, what does the future of the current midfield you know look like? Yes, I think there are players that could come in and increase the depth or even play as a starter. And I think we've like, literally, when we answered it in the previous question, I think bringing in somebody, I would even say, if you can get a starting number six to ease Sophie Engel out and maybe keep her as the depth signing, as the backup, as the backup I would do that. I would go and find and see if there is a, whoever it is, you know, you, you, you look at... Um, You've seen your Sydney Lomans there. You've seen we've talked about Damaris. We've talked about, um, you know, Lena Oberdorf and 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 Patrick Gihara and Kira Wasik. Look at all these players and look what they do to a team. Yeah, I would say go and find a younger one. Go and find if you can find somebody like that who can come in and do a job like that. Then I would say yeah, go and get it because you're gonna need and then you can use your Loipels and your Ingles and 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 Aaron. So imagine. Leupold, Ingel, Aaron Cuthbert, add in another another defensive another defensive midfielder. You then have four world class players for two positions, and you've literally got depth in each one. And maybe you have someone like a Frank Kirby, who kind of comes in as like this depth, you know, can play as number eight if required. So you have five players, two positions, all of them really really good, and then you're going into this as. Uh, as 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 in a much stronger position, you know, even if there are uh, injuries, and not to forget that when Katrina Sitkova comes back, can kind of play all over the park as well. So you know, you you I think I think I think depth is there. We just need a, I think we need a starter to come in in terms of to compete at the number six position. Yeah, I I do agree with you. I my only concern is that there's a little bit of me which just feels like coaching in midfield is maybe Emma Hayes' weakness because I just feel like the players we have, I feel like we should be able to have a more robust midfield than we do. So to that extent, I don't know how much bringing other players in really changes that. I do agree, obviously, there is a long-term problem with the, the base of the midfield. But also... I feel like that comes from the fact that there aren't a huge number of players, I think, available that play that role really, really well. So it's definitely not a position which I freak out as much as I did maybe a year, two years ago, especially now Leupoltz is back. I think that makes a big, big difference because now I feel like, let's be real, we're talking about two positions here because we've got 10 like we're playing a 10 as the third midfielder we've got I think three good high quality players to play there four if you add in Fleming five if you potentially think about playing Chankovic there six when you get Katarina Svikova back so to that extent I'm like okay sure you can go out and add more players but who are you getting rid of because I don't think any like Ingle is o- the obvious one, but also like I'm I'm Sophie Ingle might play until she's fifty at this point because every year I say it's over and it never is over, and yeah. and she, she kind of just justifies it like off the basis of performances this season. I'm not mad she signed a new deal. Are you? No, no, not at like, all. I'm saying exactly. I don't know. It's one of those things that you you she's just playing so well. I'm surprised if she does it again season. I won't be surprised, but it's like. At some point, you're gonna to have to start planning that that position, right? Because it's it's literally a thing of it could just drop off in like one day, and then you're like, what what happened? That's my only concern. Yeah, I I just think you know, it's it's an issue that that I think maybe might continue just because I'm not sure if it's Emma's forte. And that's yeah, yeah no. I agree with you. No, no, fair enough, fair. Erin, the Erin conversion is probably the best thing that she did, so I'll, I'll give her that. I'll give her that. Uh, question from from Frankie, Frankie S underscore CFC01. Uh, so which players currently on launch do you think should be part of the squad next season? So when we had questions and have been talking about the lone army earlier in the season, Georgia Fox has been the go-to, but 
God bless her soul. What a nightmare club to have to play for this year at Brighton. Um, I think it's been a tough one for her. So I feel like that's probably not going to happen. Um, Aggie Beaver Jones is kind of the obvious answer. But as already discussed, there are reasons why I would lean away from that. I guess Anique Nowen is maybe the biggest one because also if we're losing Magda, okay, she's mainly played at left back, but she obviously also is centre-back cover, you would presumably expect Anique to come back as part of the squad. You know, I feel like we've seen her play loads of Chelsea already. The loan was just presumably acknowledgement that she wasn't going to play that much for the second half of the season, may as well go get minutes elsewhere. Maybe that's a bit of a cheat answer. <laughs> because she's been so much part of the squad. I think I think if you're looking at younger players, it is ABJ, but... <sighs> I, I wouldn't be mad if she came back. I just feel like she could get better if she went out on loan again. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think, I think think if you're looking at all the players that are, that are out there, I think they probably need one more. And Anique kind of is the obvious one because just like you said, if you're going to need depth, when if, if Magda leaves, then Anik's the best one. She knows the system. She knows the club. She's just gone and got six months of consistent minutes in her legs. And that's more experience out in another, in, a, in another league. So I think it just fits perfectly when she comes back because you were expecting that Buchanan is going to get better and more consistent and that'll probably happen. But then if we've talked about, you know, having to have backup at, at fullback and centre-back, I think then it makes sense because if Jess Carter is going to be your fullback centre-back cover, right, for both, for, for kind of all the positions, you're going to need at least one more centre-back. And I think Anik just kind of fits the bill. And I would even say, Anik in six months, review how the squad's going and whether what competitions they're in, and then make another decision in January again, kind of like how they did it this season. Like she didn't get too much minutes, all right, you go out and play on loan, and then she comes back. But in this case, there's an obvious slot opening up. Like there is a Magda-shaped hole that would go away for either Carter or Nauer to play in that in those minutes that normally Magda would be playing. And so there is an opportunity for one of them to come in. And I, I would think at this point, Anique seems to be the, uh, I would say, edging it just about, just because she's playing decently well at AC Milan and doing well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, Let's go on to the next question. This is from James at Admiral Pelleyan. Will the Sam Kerr contract situation be an easy fix on both sides or should we be expecting long, drawn-out negotiations um, or will she, won't she sign? So Sam Kerr's contract runs until 2024. So next year. I know what year is, of course. Um, <laughs> there is some kind of context around this, which I feel like is important to throw in, is that obviously it was the London Football Awards the other night. Sam Kerr won Best WSL Player, of course. And she did an interview with BBC Radio London where she was, I think, feeling herself, it's fair to say, in her nice suit, leaning back, having a good time, and was asked about her you know, relationship with Emma, her time at Chelsea, and was basically joking, like, give me a call, Emma, sign me up. So, Abdullah, <laughs> I feel like there's a pretty big indication there that she wants to stay. It's certainly not the kind of diplomatic answers we've seen from players like Magda and Panila when contract negotiations have <laughs> uh, come to the fore. I, I agree, and I think I think she's I think she's loving life. I think she's She's seeing what she's doing, and, and I think it's no secret that she will eventually want to go back to the U.S. and, and play another stint over there, but she's still relatively young. She's got she's got time in her prime left to be able to still give enough for Chelsea here and, and still be able to go back. I think, I don't think it'll be too difficult for her. I think, I think it'll be, I think it should be a relatively straightforward discussion. The only thing I would have to caveat this thing is I just don't think we're going to see it anytime soon because like you said it's a busy end of the season. We have a they have a World Cup coming up in the summer. Then you got the season starting again. So I could probably see this happening being signed maybe in like October, November of this year and when they have the discussions and they kind of go into all right, let's go and see. Now, I'm not I don't think it's going to be 
a three or four year extension. I think it's going to be maybe a one year, one, one and a, one to maximum, maybe two year extension. So instead of 2024, 25 or 26, and maybe 25 is a bit more realistic. And she says, look, I'll play to 2025 and then, and then I, I'm going to go and, and do my thing. So you guys have time to find whoever, you know, because I think whatever year she signs this, it's the moment which Chelsea need to start looking for the successor of Sam Kerr, whoever, whoever that ends up being. So yeah, to in short, I don't think it's going to be a long, long drawn out negotiation. She will sign, but I just don't think it's going to be for long, uh, for as long as we might want it to be. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I was convinced that she was going to leave after her first deal, and then she signed the second one, and now I'm like, maybe she'll stay forever because you do <laughs> just get the impression that. She loves life here in London. I mean, there are obviously a lot of Aussie teammates here. She's obviously got her little Chelsea gang. I think, in my opinion, she's playing the best football of her career. Obviously, her relationship with Emma, I think, is a really key part of that. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how maybe that develops. I think everyone knows that you know, Emma's been at the club a long time and that's not necessarily going to be an infinite amount of time. But yeah, I, I I think she will sign. And I'm inclined to say give her as long as she wants, to be honest, because, yeah, she's 29 right now. She turns 30 in September, but the I think the thing that's really interesting about Sam is she's not a player who I feel like really relies on physical qualities she's a player who what stands out about her is how impressive her her movement is the way she can get into the right position so she can be found with the ball her touch her ability in the air her shooting from all areas of the pitch it's not necessarily a set of qualities where you're like there's going to be a real physical decline here so in that case, I'm like, let it roll, you know, let's go two, three, four years. Um, <laughs> and it will be interesting to see on on timing. There were reports. I couldn't really quite figure out where they were coming from, but that Chelsea were already um, reopening talks with Lauren James, who's contracted to 2025. Obviously, I understand why, you know, keeping Lauren James locked down is probably a higher priority age. English, the Jameses. But, you know, it would be interesting to see because right now, though, I think it's just nice. I feel like off the back of the Magda and Panila stuff, Chelsea aren't a club who are used to this idea of players wanting to leave, especially important players. Well, Chelsea women, at least. <laughs> Chelsea men may be more used to it. <laughs> but I feel like that's obviously been a tough situation as part of the fan base. And I think it's really refreshing to to see someone as important as Sam be happy to sit down and do a silly little radio interview and be like, I want to stay forever kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> All he had to do now is sign Christy Mewis and I think we're, we're good. <laughs> may, may, that's, a there deal, we right? that's the midfield solution. <laughs> that's the midfield solution. Let's get Christy Mewis and then she signs up forever. All right, here you go. Uh, all right, question from Meme Astronaut at Pippa21336. Um, so what do you think is in Emily Orman's future? Even if AKB goes, staying staying seems unwise. So what's kind of the best course of action for her? Yeah, Emily Orman needs to go and play football. I feel like Chelsea obviously kept her around because... Or my theory is that she can go out back out on loan. That is because when... It was the summer, AKB had obviously had a recurrence of her cancer, they weren't sure about how long treatment was going to go on for, there was potentially a situation where Zachira Musevich was going to be the first choice goalkeeper and there wasn't going to be a second choice goalkeeper, so it made sense to have Emily Orman there. I was kind of surprised she didn't then go out on loan in January, but also you can only send one player out on loan to the clubs, and at that point especially with goalkeepers, because it's a congested position, there aren't a huge number of clubs that you're going to be able to to find a loan for. Obviously, Coventry United never seemed to have a goalkeeper, so maybe she could have gone there, but she's already had a loan in the Championship. Potentially, she wants a loan in the WSL. I'm 
I mean, she's very young still. I'm not sure we've seen anything that's going to suggest she's ever going to be at Chelsea level, but maybe that's incredibly harsh to say because goalkeeper development is so, so hard to predict and we literally never watch her play. I feel like at Crystal Palace, she was a bit up and down. But again, like, she's a kind of a kid. But loan, sell. I mean, keeping her at the club for another year would be silly. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I just I kind of add more to that. I, just, I think she needs to play, and 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 just especially for her development. I think it's just it's just Chelsea are just in this weird position where they have now two keepers that are really good. They have a third pretty good one coming in, and she, you know even if one of them goes, you're then st- you're back into square one. I'm th- again she's again third choice behind two other goalkeepers. So it's not like she's moving up a position. She's staying where she is. So. I think I think a loan is probably in, in everyone's best interest here. All right. See you next year in the WSL somewhere, Emily Orman. <laughs> okay, final question. This comes from Ali at Green Aliole. If you had to choose one regular starter to leave, but you could have any player in the world to replace them, who would it be, e.g. the starter to leave, and who would replace them? Oh, and you can't say Damaris and I can't say yeah, I yeah I was about to say we can't go back on the question no holding said, midfielders that's no the caveat holding no holding midfielders no holding midfielders and no fullbacks it's just to speak let's keep it real no fullbacks no holding midfielders okay that's like okay. a quarter of the positions of the pitch but yeah let's do it <laughs> alright let's do that oh my goodness who would I want to to to, to a regular starter to, to replace oh my god this is a tough one because the thing is, all the starters are really good. Like, who do you get rid of? Gura Wrighton, Lauren James, Sam Kerr, Millie Bright. Like, how do you how do you pick between them, right? Oh, who would I want to see? Just as just for Oh my god. I I, I this is a question that actually got me, and I've been trying to think about it for a for a while. And I would the only thing I would say is you know what? Fine. We're going to do this. We're replacing the 10 position. And I'm just going to say, we're going to get Aitana Bonmati in there. We're going to play Aitana Bonmati in that midfield. I was thinking you're not thinking big enough. I was like, bye, Chankovic, <laughs> bye, Jesse Fleming, Alexia Mateus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say Alexia. Oh, yeah. Same vibe, same vibe. Yeah, same vibe. Yeah, I she's younger. So, Great. Yeah, I want Aitana. So, Aitana for me, over, 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 over whoever's playing in the 10, I want Aitana in there, so... Aitana's my, my pick. I am going to say goodbye to Magda Eriksson <laughs> because she's going already. So, um, ciao. And I will welcome Mappy Leon to the team for <laughs> because one, I think she's great and two, she's a gay icon and that is unfortunately for me part of my interest in squad building. Um, I kind of kid, but um, I think she's a great, a great centre-back. I feel like she would go really well with Millie Bright, that is I. I wouldn't. Those two will never play together. I know they will never play together, but I would love to watch Millie Bright and Mappy Leon play together because I just feel like between the two of them, they epitomise every quality you could have in a centre back. So, who's more likely to to make the switch, Millie to Barcelona or Mappy to Chelsea? I think the world would break if either of those things happened, but I would pay so much money to watch Barcelona have <laughs> Millie Bright in their back line. Can you imagine Alexia's face when she turns around and sees <laughs> Millie Bright hoofing the ball out of the Estadio Johan Cruyff? <laughs> no passing. Nothing at all. <laughs> Nothing Imagine, there. And 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 she does the, the the second thing she thinks of. It goes, "Hey, you're. We shared the golden boot at the Arnold Clark Cup together. You're here. You can play striker as well now." <laughs> yeah, Oshwala, Ben, <laughs> bye. Get out. right up front. Jesse, get out. We have a new striker. <laughs> here she is. Here there you go. The perfect um, fit. Yeah, I would have to say Mappy to Chelsea would be more likely just because yeah. I don't think Barca would ever take Millie. But I don't think either of them would happen, which is why it's great to have a, a question like this. So 
I can imagine it because they are my two favourite centre-backs. Fair um, enough. Well, there we go. Look at us. Both picking Barcelona players. How <laughs> obvious of us. Um, but it is it is the way it is. They are very good at football. All right. So that wraps up this episode of The Mailbag. Coming up. Oh, the games are coming thick and fast, guys. We are away at Reading on Sunday in the FA Cup quarterfinal. That's a two o'clock kickoff on the FA player there. Then we go to Leon. Oof, this is an early kickoff, which is good for Abdullah. I heard they put it speci- specifically at 5.45 UK time for Abdullah. Thank uh, you I much. will be there. Hopefully we will get some good content from that trip. Hopefully it will be a great game. Then we go away to City, home to Leon at Stamford Bridge. If you are based anywhere in the country and do not have a Stamford Bridge ticket yet, like me actually, I need to buy a ticket to that game. Please go and get a ticket so we make it uh, loud and exciting because I think we'll really need it. And then we have Aston Villa as our last game before the international break. So lots of matches to come. We're actually, I mean, we've ticked off quite a lot of these March games, you know. When Abdullah, at the start of this month, I was like, God, I got so much to reel off. And now I'm like, only five five games. I mean, technically the Aston Villa game is in April. But, you know, only five games of this horror run to go. That's it. Nothing, I mean, nothing crazy. Just City and Leon left. I mean, really. And we've only got bashed by Arsenal once so you know it's going fine and one's one's a quarterfinal knockout leg so I think we're good we're fine whatever whatever all right obviously we'll be back to talk through all of those matches and with a little extra thing hopefully sprinkled in between all of them so plenty of content to come but until then Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high